0: Welcome to Mile Marker 106. I'm Gumby. I'm Teresa. And we're changing our format a little bit. We're going to try something new. Um, We've been struggling with picking topics, you know, which we've done, you know, since we started this podcast. And at one time it seemed to serve us pretty well, at least uh, to our way of thinking. Um, But it's been just such a frustration for us now to like pick a topic and uh, try to like have enough access to Wi-Fi to do the research we want to and, you know, just uh, trying to really get into one topic. And um, I don't know, we've uh, had several episodes where we feel frustrated and not happy with the results. And it seems to get in the way of other things we want to do. So we're going to try something a little uh, looser. You know, uh, our mile marker episodes have always been kind of check-in episodes. Um, So we're just going to kind of see what happens if we just do all of our episodes, sort of like check-in episodes, kind of um, talk about, you know, observations that we've had during the week, what we're up to, what we want to talk about, what's pressing on our mind, and... Um, And hopefully that'll free us up a little bit, you know, if there's something that we're interested in, but we want to talk about it in a certain way and don't get around to it. We're not kind of pinned into like, damn, I wanted to talk about, I don't know, like Gandhi this week and didn't get around (laughs) to the research, you know. So there's no expectation. We can just let it go and not talk about it and talk about something else. Um, But yeah, it's kind of the direction we're going to try. Anything you want to chime in there about?
1: Yeah, I was losing my mind. So.
0: Which was making me lose my mind. (laughs)
1: trying to be an expert in a subject every week is a little daunting. I don't know why I felt like I had to do that, but, uh, (sighs) I'm breathing a sigh of relief.
0: Yeah. Teresa gets it in her head that like she's got to try to get as close to being an expert on a topic as pos- as close as possible, and it which never works it out. never works out. But to Teresa's credit, she's more the researcher, so a lot of the information that we share does come through Teresa. So there's the the plus and minus of our approach on Teresa's end. And <laughs> me, I don't know. I know I know I'm just like my interests are changing. I'm wanting to do things more with my hands. I'm wanting to develop skills that actually give me more freedom. Um, rather than just talking about how much society sucks um, But with that said, let's talk a little bit about how much society sucks oh. So, um, well one thing that I can uh, start off with And this isn't just uh, how much society sucks But I'm, I'm kind of deaf like right now So that always makes something like this hard You know, where I, I, I feel like I'm wearing earmuffs I can't really hear how I sound When Teresa talks, you know, like, um, we get into this dynamic where Teresa will actually, like, talk quietly to me for some reason, and I'll be deaf. And if I say, what, Teresa will get really mad at me, which is funny because Teresa has had more deaf people in her life than the average person, but uh, maybe she's just, like... She's like, God damn it, i got to put up with enough deaf people. You can hear. You should have listened. <laughs> so and, well, I get scared to say, what? Because then Teresa's going to get mad at me. So I just sort of like <laughs> nod or like don't respond. And then like there'll be things that I was supposed to have known but don't.
1: <laughs> i got to admit, I, this is something really ugly. When someone is hard of hearing, profoundly deaf, like legitimate, and I'm not saying Gumby isn't legitimately like feeling deaf right now but when someone is like profoundly deaf deaf since birth and they can't hear me if I say it again and I kind of have like an edge in my voice I don't know if they're just used to it or they don't pick up on that but I still get irritated that I have to repeat myself but I guess they just are like well at least she repeated herself Mm. Gumby hears the irritation in my voice and is like god I can't I really can't hear you so that's something a little ugliness about me
0: Yeah, and the reason why I'm deaf, (laughs) it usually happens about once or twice a year to me. Um, It's related somehow to like going underwater. So often it'll like kick in after I've been underwater. Um, When I was living inside and took showers, it would be like when I'd be swimming. But of course, every day, basically for us taking a bath that we can, we're swimming, getting my head underwater. And uh, my ears get clogged up. It's just the way my head's built or something. Um, <laughs> shut up. You got
1: and, a lot of empty space in there, Gumbo.
0: Yeah. So I got to irrigate it with this little like syringe thing, you know, like mm. rinse out my ears and eventually that'll clear it out. But uh haven't done that yet. But it was interesting because in the mountains, usually this will happen to me in the summer, but since we've been in the mountains, it doesn't happen so much with mountain water. But as soon as we came back with this more stagnant water, uh, down in the lower lands, it, uh, there it is. I'm, I'm deaf again. So that's an interesting thing that I hadn't noticed before, but anyway, enough about me. Um, here's something that's been in the news lately. That's kind of, uh, been interesting to us because it, um, kind of relates to what we're doing, and that's the Gabby Petito story and Brian Laundry. Yeah. Um.
1: My mom was sending me texts to make sure that we were not anywhere near the mountains or the Appalachian Trail because she's afraid for our lives. That
0: She's afraid for your life. Yes. She's afraid I'm going to kill you and leave you in the mountains.
1: That's true. And you might. Who knows?
0: No, no. I actually tried to reassure Teresa when this, this story came <laughs> out, like, here are the reasons I wouldn't kill you. And, uh... <laughs> By the way, does it alarm you that I just so reasonably will discuss with you why I won't kill you? Because maybe it should. Yeah,
1: yeah, not to get into it like every other podcast that we are listening to. But yeah, those um, folks that we mentioned uh, were doing some sort of van life blog. And so great. Yet another uh, reason why van lifers are going to be looked at as weirdo psychopath killers. Good job
0: yeah, and I meant to look at an update to kind of see like where this story is now, but I uh, neglected to do that. But um Teresa, you want to tell where the 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 story is as far as we know at this point?
1: Uh, I think that the girl's body was found. The guy, uh, under very strange circumstances, like went to his parents. And now he's, like, not talking with police and he's, like, on the run somehow on the, App- on the Appalachian Trail. I don't know. Um, but, again, you know, clumping, lumping, uh, putting everybody in a box. Um, not all people that live out of their van are crazy killers.
0: Yeah, and, of course, things like this always feed into this narrative, you know. Like, we hear it's all over the news about this and I hesitate to say, Brian killed Gabby because the verdict's not in yet. I mean, it, it sounds pretty damning, uh, the evidence that we're getting. But again, how many people are living out of their van that never make the news? Peaceful, <laughs> harmonious lives, people getting along never make the news. But the public perception, um, you know, gets swayed by the, these news stories. So, um yeah, just like, I guess, like, Muslim people, you know, whenever there's a terrorist attack and they're thinking, God damn, please don't let it be a Muslim. And then it is. Yeah, I feel kind of the same way about a van life <laughs> story, you know, like, Oh, shit, why is the why do these people have to be living out of their van, mm-hmm. you know? Um,
1: Getting picked up as a hitchhiker.
0: But I guess that's all I really have to say about that. Thank you. Um, don't have any input on on that story. We're just watching it as it develops. Um but yeah. So, what's been going on with your week, Teresa? What do you want to talk about?
1: Oh, um we got to pick up some supplies for knitting and crocheting, and I'm trying to learn how to crochet again from scratch, and it is really difficult. I don't know. I guess maybe I have some sort of learning malfunction in my head or what, but I've watched slow motion videos, I've looked at books and I can do the first part of it, but, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a little bit confusing, so I'm going to stick with it. Um, Gumby just recently got some knitting needles and yarn from a friend of ours and, oh my God, we got to go to her house and she is like homesteading Disney world. I mean, we got treated with, uh, tour of her garden, we walked away with a dozen of eggs, a shit ton of okra, which I just recently made a gumbo with the okra in it, and um, she gave us samples at her house of some honey from her honeybees, some peppers, like really spicy peppers, and some pepper honey, spicy pepper honey, sauerkraut, and some homemade apple wine that got me shit-faced, like three times I had it. Three times I got shit-faced.
0: Yeah, there's nothing like homemade wine. (laughs) Teresa and I were having some of the store-bought wine that uh, she would buy when we were in the mountains. And every now and then I'd be like, man, I miss that homemade wine I used to run into when I was a teenager. And this is the first of that that I've had in years. And, wow, it's like night and day. It is the ambrosia of the gods. Um, (laughs) And this friend (laughs) that— You should get some of that wine. Mm. This friend that, uh, you know, gave us all this stuff— She's kind of an interesting reality check in herself. Um, she is sort of like, well, I'm not going to say her name, um, even though nobody would know who I'm talking about that's probably going to listen to this podcast. But you never know, she's got MS, she's gone through multiple surgeries, she's got a severe anxiety. I mean, she struggles with a lot, and she is just a really amazing person because she's still like. Raising her family, she keeps a clean house, and then does all these projects that we're talking about, plus so many more. I mean, (laughs) she's just a dynamo. Like, she's one of the most impressive people I've ever met. But on Facebook, you know, usually I don't go visit her. Um, I'm not much of a person that was good at visiting people anyway. And now that this pandemic's going on, you know, um, most of my interactions with people that I used to know a little bit better, and she used to be a neighbor of mine. And then when I started doing camps, I asked if could anybody help me out with a camp, I could use an assistant, and she helped me out with a couple camps. So that's kind of my relationship with her. Um, but she is your textbook social justice warrior. Got the dyed hair, into the tattoos and piercings. Um, whenever I talk to, talk to her one-on-one, she's more of an independent thinker, but on social media, right down the row of blue check marks. Any kind of like thing that you would put in the liberal box, she's on board with, Um Pro-vax, which means, uh, what would I say, anti-anti-vax. You know, it's not just that I think people should get vaccinated. It's that you suck if you don't, Um, that kind of stance.
1: But she let us in her house.
0: Well, that's what I was about to say. Oh, okay. Um, And Black Lives Matter, you know, just the whole thing, you know, liberal stance view on everything. Um, So... When I'm interacting with her on Facebook, I really grow to really dislike this person. You know, it's like, ah, you know, like, Jesus Christ, like, all right, you've got your views, but do you have to, like, uh, hate on other people with other points of view, like, uh, that I usually fall into that category of, like, I'm that person? You know, I'm not stupid just because I'm not getting a vax. I'm not like, you know, I feel like you're stupid because you're not opposing this authoritarian push. But anyway, I get this view of her. And then when I see her in person, it's a whole different thing. You know, she acts completely different. She's like, oh, you don't need to wear a mask. I was kind of standing off like, oh, I'm not vaccinated. And I know how you feel about vaccinations. She's like, oh, come on in my house here. I want to try some honey here. I want to try some wine. You know, it's a completely (laughs) different person. And I don't know. I just find that to be an interesting reality check that uh, one of the big things that I feel like is Underneath all this divisiveness and everything is that we're not around each other. More and more, um, that virtual world is not the real world. It is not the real world. Even your, your views in the virtual world are just a view. It's not the human interaction. And that thing is so hard to define and put your finger on that if it's not happening, you can't even really uh, describe what's missing other than these abstract, kind of ethereal, poetic things like the humanity of it. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. And yet, it is not just there, it's super important. And Stephanie's a big example of that. <laughs> Damn, there's her name. Um, but yeah, just. You know, Somebody that so much fits in the social justice warrior box, and I I have learned to really detest that box, and yet she as an individual – it's the collectivism versus individuality. Mm -hmm. The collectivist box sucks. I hate it. I hate everything they say, what they're about, their judgments, their upside-down realities, and yet when I deal with some people that are in that box as individuals, it's like, oh, look, we're just being human beings again. You know, like, it doesn't matter if we disagree. We can be human beings. And that, there's an important lesson in that.
1: Yeah, yet another reason why I really bristle at these labels. And I've heard before, and Gumby, we were even talking about this before we started recording, that it's a shorthand. You know, if you have a label for someone or a group of someone's, then you know pretty much what you're getting into. The first time I actually had a conversation about this, I think I mentioned it, but it was about... um, people's sexuality, actually. And, uh, somebody was talking about like, they're into the, the kink scene. And if they go to a kink party, um, it's really, it's best to know what the person is like their labels so that you can kind of like understand who they are in 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 a second. But I mean, in all the different situations in life, I would think that it's not just, you're not a robot. I mean, things change. People's views change. People's, you know, whatever, stances on things change views. But yeah, that's all I wanted to say was, uh, it's just kind of important to remember that these labels aren't what the person inherently is. Like, we can't just slap a label on somebody and say, that's what you are. That's what you will always be.
0: Yeah, I'm not very uh, good with these like kind of, um, philosophical terms, but I feel like, and I'm, I'm like I said, I might be using this completely wrong, but that might be reductionism where you're trying to say like a person is this and you're kind of like uh, whittling them down into smaller and smaller boxes. But yeah, it's you know, the fact is, we don't know what we are, it's our fundamental problem. We don't know what we are. <laughs> And so I feel like we're in a culture that is more and more reductionist. Like, oh, well, here's what you are. Oh, and within that box, here's your corner of the box. Oh, and within that corner of the box, here's your side of that corner of the box. And just division upon division upon division. And it's sold to us as like better definition, as if there's a lens coming more and more into focus. And yet I feel like, there's something to that. There is something to more detail. Teresa and I were just talking about collectivism versus individualism. And I was saying there's a place for collectivism. For instance, if I am learning about the forest, I can say, these are trees, as opposed to clouds or uh, animals. That helps me begin to get to know the forest, that initial separation. Here's trees, that's collectivism. These are all in the tree box. But then if I want to really get to know the forest better, I've got to move more and more towards individualism. Oh, this is a maple tree as opposed to a cedar. That's one step closer to individualism. And eventually, I'd like to be at the level of a tracker. Here's this cedar as opposed to all the other cedars. Um, That helps me get to know things better. But I feel like in our culture, it's a weird thing because the more we supposedly get to know like... You know, like if I say I am a cisgender, uh, white male, um, anarcho primitivist, whatever, and all these definitions, as I just have been told by someone, are, are kind of up in the air, um, it sounds almost like steps towards individualism, like I'm telling you more and more about who I am as an individualism. And yet, somehow, in this magic trick kind of way, it's actually moving me more towards collectivism, yeah. boxes. Like, you're supposed to know these things about me. Um, If I say I'm an anarchist, like, oh, okay, I know all kinds of things about you. And then I'm like, whoa, whoa, that's actually like, that label doesn't exactly fit cleanly. And I don't know about anybody else, but I can say that about any label I I apply to myself. I don't want to be trapped by the label. It's not that, oh, all right, now I want to learn about everything about this label because that's what I am. It's just that, oh, I feel like that label kind of more applied to me than another label. But while we're on the topic of uh, you know talking about my friend and uh, social justice warriors and uh, liberalism, um, here's a list I wanted to share at a, in a former episode and we didn't get around to it. But that was my fault. <laughs> you played a part. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, you know there, I forget what people call them. It's like the alphabet soup group or whatever. But you know. Um, the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, we listen to this great podcast that we mentioned before, and I highly recommend it. Um, Josh Slocum, who uh, is openly gay, and the reason why I point out that he's gay is because this plays a part in his perspective and how he shares information on things. He has a podcast called Disaffected, which is a superbly done podcast Um, Like it or hate it, it gets you thinking. He brings up a lot of uh, great topics and things that you don't hear about um, definitely in the mainstream news. Um, But the best I can remember, the way he described how this alphabet soup description got started was there used to be gay. Everybody who wasn't straight was gay. Gay was opposed to straight. Gay meant generally um, that you liked people of your own sex. And that was enough of a distinction. Like, oh, You're not straight, you're gay. But somewhere along the way, the women said, oh, no, no, that's not the name of our special little snowflake. We're not just gay. We are lesbian. So gay, no, it's too broad. I need more of a distinction. I need a recognition of how very special I am. I am a lesbian. So, you know, now the the men and the women are divided and it's like, okay, we're the uh, L- Gay and lesbian LG, gay and lesbian community And, uh, you know, all right, all right, fair enough Everybody's happy But then the people that were like What what Slocum called part-time gay The bisexuals (laughs) My dad was uh, a B, bisexual Um, They're like, oh, no, no, no I'm not gay I'm not a lesbian I'm a a unique kind of little snowflake And I want to feel honored I want to feel validated What about the bisexuals? Why is nobody standing up for the bisexuals? all right, we're the LGB community. So we got the gay people, the the female gay people, as opposed to the male gay people, and the part-time gay people. And everybody's happy. We can all work together. We are in the same community. Now, according to Slocum, and we've come across other articles, this T got tacked on. And it was not an easy, uh, like everybody agreed, like, oh, okay, transsexuals are just another kind of version of this community. Um, It was something completely different. A lot of gay people are like, whoa, I'm talking about a sexual preference. I am a man. I was born a man. I can prove to you I'm a man. I'm just saying you can't tell me what to do with my body. As a man, I happen to like other men. Same with a woman. Same argument. Same with a bisexual person. T is something else entirely. This is a person that says, actually, what you think you're looking at right here is not what I am. I'm something different. I'm fighting for the the not just the right to have all the same rights as every other citizen in this country. I'm fighting for the, I don't want to call it a right, the perception that you have to see what I say I am. I am a woman that was born with balls and a penis, and you have to accept that. It's a whole different movement. You know what I'm saying, Teresa? You got to like give me some feedback. I don't know how clear I'm being, so if I'm... I'm being dull with something, call me out on it.
1: Well, these words are, um, again, kind of really confusing. Like, I think you use the word transsexual and then there's the word transgender. Um, but basically, I think what you're getting at is there's a group of people who wanted to be included in the LGB community um, that. It didn't have to do with their sexual orientation, who they preferred to have sex with, but more about their, uh, gender identity.
0: Yeah. And, you know, some people in the gay community were like, welcome, you know, I'm not saying that everybody was opposed to that, but there was a lot more opposition to that than our history and our media lets on, you know, they just kind of lump them together. Like it was just a smooth alliance and it was not, um, But anyway, the divisions kept coming. People are like, oh, no, no. What about my special little snowflake? I'm not just gay. I'm this. No, no, no. What about me? I'm something else. They were the intersex people. And they're like, I don't belong with these people. I was born anatomically different. It doesn't make me gay. And I certainly am not one of these transsexuals that's uh, saying I'm something that biologically, biological observations show that I'm not. I am in my own category. I'd say that's one of the fairer arguments. (laughs) Um, But when it all got said and done, we wound up with the – in case you've ever wondered what the LGBTQIA+, um, what that plus is for, it is the L-G-B-T-T-I-Q-Q-A with sometimes a U. (laughs) And that's where we are now, I believe, unless it's been updated. What that stands for, all those letters, the alphabet soup group – Is lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered, transsexual, two-spirited, intersex, queer, questioning, asexual, and sometimes unsure. That gets added to it.
1: (laughs) I like the unsure.
0: I don't know. So I guess I'm in your group.
1: I am throwing my hands up. I have no effing clue what I
0: am. Yeah. Maybe I should be in this group because, I I mean, more and more every day I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Maybe I'm you, unsure. Man, I don't know. Man, I don't know. Um to me, you know, this is not a celebration of diversity. This is narcissism. This is more and more people that are demanding like, "No, no, no. I need to be acknowledged as my special little snowflake." And another side effect you might say of this is now um a biological male or a biological woman is called cis, as if there's just another category, as if it's just the same. You know, there's gay, queer, intersex, two spirited, cis, uh, what at questioning? Um, to what purpose? It seems like such a temple of self. Um, as Teresa's pointed out in our conversations, you remember when it used to just be kind of being human? Sometimes, like, being human was like, would lead you to places that was not the same as everyone else was going and you change and your perceptions change. And, um, I feel like this is more of a example of just self-importance narcissism, um, rather than anything that defines us. It's more divisiveness even within that community. I mean, you know, what used to be the gay community. And it's like, we're not stopping anybody from doing that. Oh, you're queer? Fine. Whatever you define it as. You want to be called that? All right. You know, I mean, no problem. But now you got to fight for that group. And it just divides. Even that group is fractured, divided, where nobody even wants to say all the damn letters involved anymore. It's like, oh, uh, let's just add a plus. Um, you got anything you want to add to that?
1: I was, um, at one point in time, there was a, a post on Facebook, and it was... an offering to the community for a queer yoga class or queer fitness, like you meet in a park. This was before the pandemic. Um, And it was labeled like queer community, like fitness classes. And I, I liked that post because I was like, cool, if they're offering free classes, but I was like, Gumby, what is, what does queer mean? I mean, can I go? Am I queer enough? Or am I unclear how queer I am. Like, uh, is it for it? And it was open, like, to everybody. So I'm, like, not sure um, exactly what they would be doing in the classes that, like, made it queer. I guess it was for a group of people who wanted to get together and, like, you know, have community.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I find myself kind of with the same feeling of I have towards the Black Lives Matter movement. It's like, yes, Black Lives Matter all lives matter. And why don't we skip some steps and just move into all lives matter, which would like speed things up. That's where I want to be, where we acknowledge that all lives matter. Don't try to bog me down and especially don't call me a hate monger for not agreeing that we need to be bogged down with the problems of one group who, by the way, as a white man, I really have no business speaking up for. If I see anybody uh, suffering from social injustice, or any kind of problem, if I can help, yeah, I think it's my duty as a decent human being to do what I can, not to take on a cause, because I really think causes are damaging, because causes always seem to lead us to trying to speak up for and impose what we think is helpful on a group of people that we are not a part of and do not fully understand. And I feel like that's just another level of uh, control, another way of oppressing someone. Um, and I feel like that way that way about the gay community. Shouldn't we be fighting that it's not a big deal that we don't need to learn all your damn pronouns and your your what letter what oh oh you're too spirited I'm sorry I thought you were, I, I didn't offend you did I? Really? Do we need to spend our time getting bogged down in that? How about you just do what you want to do and I just, you know, interact with you as another human being. Um, what is with all this this temple of self? You know, like, it just...
1: What reminds me of that um, mouse experiment, what was it, Universe 25? We did a shot on that, and it was from the... I forget what podcast we were doing it.
0: Are you talking low, or am I just deaf?
1: You're a little deaf. Okay. Okay, so anyway, there were um, these mice that were living in a um, constructed, like, mouse house, and once the population got to be... Uh, high number, some of the mice were starting to exhibit um, uh, anger issues with each other, and some mice were starting to self-isolate. And this was, you know, not a pandemic thing. This was like mice in a maze in like the 1940s or something, or 60s. But what I was getting at was there were some mice that they started calling, the experimenters started calling them the beautiful ones, where They really just fixated on like grooming and lazing about and kind of, it almost seemed like if there was mouse Facebook or Instagram, they would be on it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, um, it might've been, and the experimenter also observed this, that the mice didn't feel like they had anything to do. Like their part in the community was just, well, I'm not this, I'm not that, I don't do that. So I'll just kind of focus on myself because there's nothing else to do. And I think that's maybe where we're at in the human population.
0: Yeah. And to further, you know, the the alphabet soup group. Um, now this
1: is, this is gen, no, this is sexual preferences. Yeah.
0: So here's a list of some of the many different names. I'm not going to go through all the definitions. It would take forever. But here's just the names of a lot of sexual preferences. Alloromantic, allosexual, androsexual, arom a arom- aromantic. aromantic, may not feel any romantic attraction toward anyone, may not want a relationship beyond friendship. Asexual, um, with subcategories, <laughs> sex averse, sex favorable, sex indifferent, sex repulsed, cupiosexual, libidoist asexual, gray sexual, gray romantic. Um Autoromantic, autosexual, bi-curious, bi-romantic, bisexual, demiromantic, demisexual, gay, (laughs) gynosexual or sinosexual. Okay, what the hell is that? Feel sexual attraction toward women, females, and perceived femininity, irrespective of whether or not they were assigned female at birth. (laughs) Heteroromantic, heterosexuality. Homosexuality, lesbian, monosexual, multisexual, pansexual, omnisexual, panromantic, polysexual, queer, scoliosexual. Which which,
1: sounds really
0: bad. Yeah, that one made me pause. Only feel attraction toward people who are non-binary. Spectrosexual.
1: Now, what... (laughs) Sherlock just sighed in the background.
0: Right? Yeah, rightly so. What do you think about that, Teresa? What do you think about what's your impression of of, of this of this whole list of uh, what sexual preferences?
1: Yeah, um, I would say that the majority of humans having an experience in their life would probably be very fluid in these um, categories. So, if we are going to be fluid anyway then why don't we just not have all of these categories? Like, why don't we just say situational? Like, maybe sometimes I feel really horny and I will fuck anything. And sometimes I don't want to fuck anything. Maybe I'm just tired or I feel grody. Gross me out.
0: I feel like these terms are very dehumanizing. Because again, a human (laughs) being, like when I read through the definitions of these um, I go through, I fit into a lot of these categories In the average day I go through about five of these categories. I woke up this morning and I was like, um, auto-sexual for about 10 minutes.
1: You were auto-erotic.
0: And then, um, while I was making my coffee, I experienced moments of asexuality where I really, I wasn't thinking about fucking anybody. Um, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. And
1: then a woman walked by in tight pants. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there was this French chick that gave us dog food this morning. Oh, so <clears throat> that was a moment of uh, <laughs> uh, receiving dog food. Um, but, yeah, what, it just – what a waste of time and energy to to be so focused on here's my box. Here's my category. I'm going to celebrate that I'm this. It's just – I don't know. It stinks of entitlement to me. It stinks of divisiveness. Um, and it stinks of ego. Why not just be a human being? Yeah. Why not just say, Hey, I like you or no, I don't really like you. I'm not really like, no, you know, you may like me, but I'm not really into it. It was so simple. These are not new things. These are just into over intellectualized over, uh, self important I mean, I, I don't know the word I'm looking for.
1: <laughs> I don't know either.
0: Self-inflated um it's called being a fucking human being.
1: Yeah, it makes me think that somewhere uh in one of these um transhumanist institutes or whatever that they're like, "Oh, you know what? We should get people to describe themselves more so that we can, you know, have our checkboxes in our programs." Um You know, like multiple choice, but like really multiple choice, like 26 different choices.
0: I like this, for instance. Do you know what demi-romantic is?
1: What?
0: Usually do not feel romantic attraction to people with whom they do not have a strong emotional bond. Yeah. So I guess that's just somebody who like when somebody walks by with like tight pants, they don't look. They're like, (laughs) nope, no emotional bond. Yeah, yeah. Not right. even a twitch in the old pants for that person. <laughs> I mean, some of these, I remember when we were, like, getting into the definitions, like, uh, just blew me away. Um, you got anything else you want to talk about? I'm going to track down some of these definitions if you do, if there's anything on your list. Or we can just move on.
1: Now, again, I just, I'm, no wonder people are unsure. I mean, if this is what you have to go through, just, just how do you feel? And just go with that. You don't have to label yourself. You don't even have to write a blog post about what you are. Now, again, I understand, like, people want to have community. Well, then just talk to people, you know? Don't worry about, like, forming just your very tight-knit bubble that, oh, these are just cupio-sexual people or pan-romantic people. Um, Really, like try to just be human and talk to other humans and experience life that way. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and you don't have anything else on your list?
1: As far as the sexuality? No, side no. Guys? As
0: far as anything you wanted to talk about?
1: Oh, uh, well, I am very appreciative this time of year that we were able to include some honey mushrooms in our food, including our gumbo the other day. And, uh, along with some of the stuff from our friend's garden, God, that was so good. And we still have leftovers. Mm hmm.
0: Mm hmm. And, uh, yeah, another thing you were talking about, um, in our last episode, anything goes, we got kind of bogged down with CRT. Um, it was not meant to be a CRT episode, but we didn't get any further in our conversation than that. Um, which was kind of one of the things that, uh, finally was the, the blow for us of like, man, we got to change our format, like whatever worked before it's not working anymore, um but one thing you brought up that's part of CRT is that racism is a social construct. And we didn't really get into discussing that much, but uh I've always been baffled by that when somebody says that there's no really no such thing as racism. I'm like of course there is, you know, like you can see the difference in a a black man and a white man.
1: Are you saying racism or race?
0: Hmm. Okay, race. That that was the the quote, right? That's actually where I was going. I kind of messed up on the word, but uh, race is a social construct. That's mm-hmm. what you told me, right? Yeah, yeah. So, race is not a social construct. It is a an observable difference in people. It's not about superiority or inferiority. Just like um we're all human beings, but there are black and white uh dogs, are all dogs, but there are different breeds. We call them breeds instead of races with dogs, but kind of, it's just another word for a division. A St. Bernard is not a Chihuahua. These are important distinctions. Um, It's important to know the difference. With a black person, bafflingly in CRT, it'll say race is a social construct. In other words, there's no biological reality of it. And yet they then go on to define everything by terms of race. Mm -hmm. Everything is this or that because you are black or you are white. They go further than I would about how important race is after saying there's no such thing as race, Mm -hmm. except it's a social construct. I feel like a lot of what's happening on the left with a lot of these issues we're getting into is that words are getting um, purposely confused. In other words, I think they're describing racism as a social construct racism as opposed to this person belongs in this neighborhood. They have these limitations. You cannot rely on them for these things. Ooh. These are social constructs. Um, white people, for instance, you can't rely on white people to be honest. I mean, white people have created quite a reputation and, and behind, behind a lot of these stereotypes, there are seeds of truth. The problem is when we trap people in these generalizations. Most white people are I'd say, as history has proven, are deceitful. It's kind of cultural. Um, you know, the better liar is the person that gets ahead, but that doesn't mean every white person you meet is going to lie to you. Some of them are extremely honest, and the same could be said for any race and their stereotypes. So I feel like this blurring of things. you know, another thing that happens when with, with the uh, sexuality is we get biological sex confused with gender. Gender is a social construct. I would say gender is, what, the way we perceive a sex? Would you agree with that or would you say something different? What is gender?
1: Well, again, this word has changed a lot. Um, I remember— And I don't want
0: to know what you think other people think it is. I want to know what you think it is. Well,
1: I remember in when I was going to school, sex is biological gender is psychological, um, psychologically based because it's the expressions of masculinity and femininity as the culture dictates. Um, so in that way, yeah, I guess it is a social construct, but the two were never meant to be interchangeable. And, I mean, things can be masculine, but it doesn't mean that women can't do or be a part of those things. Like one of your ex-girlfriends from way back, you said like, you know, she's a mom. She also does a lot of things that our culture would consider masculine, like all sorts of engineering mechanic type stuff. Yeah. I don't I don't get why there has to be such a a strong division between between these things.
0: And that's an argument I've heard is it's ironic that the people that are supposedly opposing um, gender, you know, like that you're trapped in this kind of thing are actually strengthening it the most. You know, you'll see people that are like, oh, this girl doesn't want to wear dresses and everything. Well, she's a tomboy, whatever. She does does what she wants to. But the other group will say, oh, well, she's probably born a man. Um, because if she was a girl, she would wear a dress. She would play with Barbie. She likes the color pink, blah, 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 blah. This is all gender. This is trapping her because of her biological sex. They have strengthened what they treat as the opposition in order to have a reaction to it. Um... I've seen this happen and you know, when I was growing up. Nobody talked about like, oh, I'm born in the wrong body. I'm probably a man or I'm probably a woman. Like it was probably out there, but it was a very like not popularized thing. It's not something you ran into much. Um and there was a lot of freedom, you know. Sometimes people were gay. Sometimes people like did this or that, you know. Uh depending on where you are, you might have to take a little a little bit of teasing, but I mean, most people it didn't lead them to suicide, you know. Um We've just gotten so fragile. Um, and what is behind that fragility? Self-importance. The temple of self. Um, and this kind of leads me to another topic I wanted to talk about. Lately, I've had a renewed appreciation for the Bible. And I know a lot of people just winced when I said that. <laughs> it's not so much a appreciation for like, oh, I'm going Christian or He's anything.
1: getting sucked in.
0: <laughs> but I recognize the Bible. um as our oldest written text, and I feel like that's very important, this record, this historical record that maybe even has recorded the beginnings of our 10,000-year-old culture, as Daniel Quinn talks about. Um, It's so fascinating to me to think that I'm reading even the uh, what's left of the translation, because I know it's been tr- translated into one language and then another language. So a lot has probably been lost in translation, mm-hmm. but there's something still there, especially in the stories. For instance, uh, Daniel Quinn, you know, I would imagine a lot of our listeners have listened to Daniel Quinn, um, talks a lot about the Garden of Eden and how he interprets that, which is fascinating, a fascinating story about the beginnings of our culture, of the people that live like we do, who force nature's hand and rely on agriculture. Um Wow, this is a really like I feel like it comes from a people that were closer to an animistic way of thinking. They needed to they they recognized that the way to preserve information was to put it in a story. It's not so important that you remember years and what whatever we're calling facts. It's important that we remember lessons, the really important things that we've learned as human creatures. And that's what I think some of these fantastical stories are about, like the Garden of Eden. And as Teresa and I got into with our transhuman series, um, I've really like had developed a new appreciation for the way Satan is described, Lucifer. It doesn't matter whether I think there's a little boogeyman out there with horns and a pitchfork, which I don't. But I do feel like humanity is has encountered an energy, a force, something out there in the universe that they believed was the biggest threat to what we are. And I think it is the biggest threat to what we are. And I think it is uh, prevalent in our culture today. When I think about the description of Lucifer, again, you know, if the, if you, if the personification bogs you down, let that go. Think about the energy of this thing, deceit. Up is down, night is day. Satan is known as the master of lies and deceit. He, he, Satan would show up and call himself Christ. Um, you know, think about a lot of the Christian churches. How what the Bible talks about poverty and you know how to live, and think about how the Christians live. You see this energy showing itself so much in our culture. And it is extremely dangerous and destructive to the human whatever we are. This thing we call a human being. I find that fascinating. You look like you wanted to say
1: something. <clears throat> Shit. I did want to say something. I haven't even had any of that wine. Um, oh, I was going to say something like, uh, would you call this energy like the anti-reality? Or would you go that far?
0: I wouldn't call it that, but that doesn't necessarily mean I think that's wrong. Um,
1: Maybe upside down is more accurate.
0: I would say, depending on what you mean by anti-reality, I mean, evil, and again, that's kind of a funny word, like coming from a Buddhist background like I do, I, I kind of question evil because so much of that is relative, I think. Mm-hmm. One thing's evil is often another thing's uh, good. Mm-hmm. Um But this thing that's dangerous, this force I'm describing that's so dangerous to humanity, I wouldn't necessarily call it in itself unreality, but I would say that that is one of its strategies to undo us, to divorce us from reality. The unreality itself isn't the evil, but when we lose touch with the grass, the sun, the basics, like where our food comes from, who we are, um, who our parents were, who our ancestors were, um, what we are, what we really are, not these little boxes of who we like to fuck, but what we really are. <laughs> you know, I feel like that is a strategy used to take us down. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a force that, in some form or another, has been encountered by the human species. I mean, you start like reading up on tribes and everything, and as I've said before, They often describe, whether it's Wetico or Lucifer, but there's many commonalities of they've encountered something that's not a biological animal, like a bear or something, some energy out there that is predatory, that is more dangerous than a bear, that is something that when you see the signs of this, you better fucking buckle up and start paying attention because this can tear apart the tribe. And I feel like that's what we're seeing now. And when I, I, like I said, when I see this description of deceit and everything, it's like, my God. Mm-hmm. And like we described in transhumanism, you know, like, it also, Satan went to Eve. I wonder, like, you know, there's so much nuance in that story. Like, are women, because of their open hearts and everything, um, I don't know, often exploited for this energy? I don't know. There's just a lot to think about. But another uh, story that's been popping up on my mind lately is the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teresa, I... uh you know, I'm, I'm really good at jumping in there, so I'm like bringing you into my my tirade. Why don't you tell me what you know about the Tower of Babel?
1: Uh, I don't know very much. All I really know is that um, people lost the ability to communicate with each other, and I, I think that it goes deeper than what I just said. But that's pretty much my extent of knowing about that.
0: That's a lie, Teresa.
1: Okay. You've said something about the tower was being built and it was kind of like hubris because they kept on building it higher and higher. I don't know the story. See, you
0: know there's a tower in the story, right? Um, Yeah. So.
1: I really don't know much more than that.
0: (laughs) You know that people were speaking different languages?
1: Something to that effect. Okay. They couldn't couldn't understand each other. So
0: I just teased out two things that you said that was the extent of what you knew. But the story is really interesting. Um, I see it as like you're building a tower. That was the latest technology of the time, you know, and the tower reaches higher and higher and higher into the sky. Um, What a beautiful metaphor for what we're doing now. I feel like there's so many poignant warnings in this ancient text, like they've encountered this behavior before. Um, The tower, to me, the Tower of Babel warns that this Technological innovation, this ambition, this hubris, as it reaches higher and higher, and what's the sky symbolic for? God, Mm. the heavens, the divine. So it reaches to usurp the divine. It almost, you might say, trespasses into an area that it was not meant to go. And as any kid who's ever piled blocks on top of each other knows, when things get more and more high, they get unstable. The instability grows and grows the more this technological reach reaches. And another big part of the story, and I was also uh, thinking I might try to read up on the story, but then I thought, ah, fuck it. I don't want to get back into the research mode, so I'm just going <laughs> to go on what I think I know about the story. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Right to us. Uh, hmm? Write to us. Yes, please. And um, another part of the story is... You know, the, the, of course, the tower fell and everybody spoke different languages. Now, I used to think that was like, oh, okay, they spoke Portuguese, uh, Mandarin, English, you know, th- this is where the different languages came from. Now I'm thinking maybe there's more to that story. Maybe it's not just different languages. They're talking about communication. People stopped understanding each other. It's not just that somebody started speaking Hebrew, it's that they were speaking my language and I forgot how to listen. I forgot how to speak. I forgot like none of us are speaking anymore. Like words don't mean anything. Yeah. I say race, you hear racism. I say sex, you hear gender. Um, I'm, I'm so busy talking about all the different ways I like to fuck people and don't like to fuck people. And you're like, you're so busy trying to learn my pronouns that like, none of us are talking anymore. Communication is just Breaking down. Mm-hmm. Words don't mean anything to us anymore. We're we're isolated. We can't even like organize anymore. And I feel like, you know, I'm just dipping my toes on the fly. I didn't write anything down to organize my thoughts, which was probably a mistake. But those are some of the thoughts, like in that story. You know, I'm just running into these biblical stories that are like, whoa, wait a minute. If I look at this with fresh eyes, yeah. I don't. I, I will never know what they intended. But that's another thing I've been thinking about. Well, before I l- let me share one more story from the Bible. I'm reading uh, Jordan Peterson right now um, 12 Rules of Something, Good Living, or Something <laughs> Like That. And right in the beginning, he talks about Moses. And I know there's a lot of different interpretations of the story of Moses. Derek Jensen shares some biblical stories himself in very negative terms, which I find equally fascinating. I encourage people to get into. He talks about Noah, and he talks about Moses as being kind of like uh, the basis for our civilizational thought, and these are really poignant uh, thoughts that he's sharing. But Peterson has a slightly different interpretation of the Noah story, and uh, Moses' story, I mean, And one of the things he talks about is after Moses freed the people of uh, the Israelites, they wandered, they were slaves, and they wandered in the desert for 40 years to learn how not to be slaves. Now, that's something I hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about, the wandering in the desert for 40 years. And I'm thinking, that's interesting. Because why didn't they just like Okay, they're slaves, and now, woo, you're free, and then then they go to the the land of milk and honey and everything, and, oh, everything's good. There was a cleansing, a purification of 40 years in the fucking desert. A lot of people I have discussions with are like, well, we can't just leave civilization. How are we going to do it? It's impossible. And I contrast that with a story. Impossible? Look outside. A lot of you are looking outside at something green. You're looking at trees. You're looking at plants you can eat. You're looking at something, some animal that you could possibly build a trap and catch, even if it's a squirrel. These people spent 40 years in the desert. (laughs) Why? Why 40 years in the desert after being slaves? Why not just have a reward? What if this story is sharing something that's important about what it takes to not be slaves anymore? One of my premises or our premises in this podcast is that we are slaves who don't want to be. And everybody listening to this podcast is in a type of slavery in the civilization. What if part of it is the hardship? You have to be tested. You don't just get to be free because then you just bring that slavery into the next paradigm. Mm. You have to learn how not to be a slave. And how do you learn how not to be a slave? By fighting, by learning how to survive, by hardship, by standing up, by Beating the odds by going out there in the fucking desert for 40 years, even though everything tells you you're going to fucking die in the desert and standing on your own goddamn feet, earning your freedom. It's not just a little gift like, oh, I'm free. I'm a, I was a slave, but now I'm free. Wee, let me wave my little flag. No, you got to fucking earn that shit. You've been a slave your whole life. You were raised by slaves. You were, We went to slave school. You think freedom is just something like somebody opens the door and voila, you're free? No, you're gonna have to fucking take a risk. You're gonna have to go out into that fucking desert for 40 years, and something in you is gonna have to die. So I'm finding a lot more, and this is not Jordan Peterson. He just said something about, uh, you know, purified of their slavery for 40 years, and I kind of ran with that, like, whoa, that put a new thought in my head. And as I was about to say, I'm thinking, it doesn't matter, like, is that what they meant? Is that what they meant when they wrote the Bible? I can think of, like, people arguing with me, like, oh, that's not what they meant. Here's the way scholars interpret it. <laughs> but then I think about another author that I really love, David David Abram, mm-hmm. uh, singular, Abram.
1: Yeah.
0: And he is one of my favorite animist authors. And one of the things that he shared in his book, I think, The Spell of the Sensuous, was that the original text of the Bible, um, the uh, the original text in ancient Hebrew, they would leave out the vowels. So the word God, do you remember? It's Yahweh we say, right? Mm -hmm. But actually, we shouldn't be saying Yahweh is what they called God because they left out the vowels. It's interesting to think of the implications of that. You've got this holy text The vowels are left out. So in other words, you don't know how to really say anything. You have to figure out the vowels. What that tells me is that they're saying, these are some of the observations of the sacred that we realized. And one of the things we've realized is we can't tell you the whole of it. It has to be a dialogue. Mm. You have to engage. You have to fill in the vowels. You have to breathe life into these words. Otherwise, they're dead. They mean nothing to you. And what that means to me is if you do that, you've opened a door. Now God is talking. It doesn't matter how anybody else interprets it. Does it, what matters is did God, or, and again, don't get bogged down in deification. I used to hate the word God, and I still kind of wince at it a little bit because I know so many people pictured the old white guy on a throne or whatever. But whatever that sacred, that great mystery, um, God, what that means to you. The important thing is, did it speak to you? So when I interpret this story from Moses and I think, oh, my God, what a revelation that is. I don't need to cancel it out with doubt. With doubt. Like, did they, is that what they meant? To me, God spoke to me through that story. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a biblical story. We watched Gattaca the other night, and it fucking blew me away. I've seen it before, but now after all this transhumanist study and everything— I was ready to receive it in a whole different way, and it was like one of the thing. What was that saying uh, that we were so impressed by that they said?
1: There is no gene for the human spirit.
0: Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, Ethan Hawke's character is not genetically modified. He should not be uh, working at this place with all the genetically modified people who are stronger and smarter. And uh, he has a swimming contest against his brother who is genetically modified, and he beats his brother. And his brother's just baffled, like, how did you do it? And, uh, and
1: he didn't just do it once.
0: Yeah, he did it twice. And Ethan Hawke tells him at the end, I don't hold anything back. I don't hold anything back for the return trip. In other words, his brother's thinking, I'm swimming so far out in the ocean. I got to have a little bit to get back or I'm going to drown out here. Ethan Hawke's character, the only way he could compete against these genetically modified people is like, I'm going to win.
1: I'm going to give it my all.
0: Whatever happens after that happens after that. I'm giving it my all. And at one point in the movie, they uh, say, and I don't remember where it was in the movie, but there is no gene for the human spirit. And uh, I love that. That was God speaking to me at that moment because it moved me. It was an opportunity to change myself, Mm -hmm. to change my whole reality. It didn't matter. Like I I could leak all the energy out of it by talking myself out of it and saying, oh, Hollywood, that was a movie. Some script writer, he's probably drunk. Oh, I wonder how much money he got for writing that line. Oh, that doesn't fucking matter. Don't shut God or the sacred out. Did it move you? Did it speak to you? And so uh, that's a thought I had this week that was kind of like neat, you know, that um, looking for those those moments, those things that changes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a really good movie. I liked it. <laughs>
0: Thank you for that input, Teresa. <laughs> um, <clears throat> let's see. And I just want to talk a little bit since I said that I want to use more energy towards survival skills and stuff. um, I've been getting kind of a slow start. I'm trying to work on stuff that I don't have a lot of experience in. One of the things that happened to me recently was I got into a seed tick nest and it just covered the lower half of my body with seed tick bites, which was horrible and itchy. And when I get that bad off, I don't want to be anywhere near the woods. So we're kind of living a life that's rugged and that's hard. Like, I'm just like, let's go to a park with pavement. If it doesn't have a sidewalk on it, I'm not walking it until I feel better. Um, And I'm finally getting better. But one of the things that I wanted to study, ironically, was plants that help with bug bites and keep bugs away. So by necessity, again, the voice of God, it led me to have to do this by necessity. So I clipped up some jewelweed, chopped it up, boiled it into a strong tea on our hobo stove one morning. And uh, sure enough, man, it immediately helped. It reminded me what a powerful medicine that is, just wiping it on four times a day on all those bug bites. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of funny crawling into the van and like trying to like scrub my ass with the jewelweed, not uh. look like I'm scrubbing my ass like uh you know it's you try it. you get in your car and try to scrub your ass and not look like you're scrubbing your ass. That's a hard thing to mask. Um, but a couple other things I've uh, got an antler. I'm gonna try to learn in some flint napping, you know, making my billet and pressure flaker, get some uh, glass bottle cap bottoms, and uh, start trying to make my own tools. I'm starting to see what I can whittle. I've made these little grabbers and stuff like that, making my own hammer. Um,
1: what about the squirrel?
0: Well, I'm getting to that. And I tried to make my own nail knife and realized like I can only get so far without an anvil. So, you know, picking up a scavenged nail and hammering it out and flattening it. Um, Yeah, and roadkill was on my list. And that was a big discouraging thing. Um, It was discouraging because I picked up a squirrel and it was like, all right, I'm going to do it. You know, I just pulled over on the side of the road, saw a squirrel, grabbed it. We went to a park. I sliced it open, skinned it, um, gutted it, took all the meat cut it into thin strips, put it on a string to dry in the sun. And uh, immediately the clouds rolled in. Rain was (laughs) predicted for the rest of the day. And it's just like for the rest of the week. And I just realized I can't do this. This is not fitting in my life right now. This You know, sometimes living in a van is awesome. Sometimes it fucking is frustrating. Like when I had a house, I could set myself up to use roadkill. I had a freezer to put the meat in. Um, I could make a rack and have a place to put it under a roof. But what the hell am I going to do with this hide? Stick it in the van with us? We got enough nasty shit in here. God knows. Mm. I'm looking at a pile of the nasty shit right now in the form of Sherlock. Um so that was discouraging just to have to like, all right, I just did all that work for nothing. I'm going to give the meat to the ants and the bugs and the yellow jackets and the, the daddy long legs who were very eager to accept it. You know, I don't feel like it went to waste or anything. I just kind of gave them a hand in breaking it down. But
1: gave that squirrel a very
0: honorable burial. Yeah, good <laughs> karma. But it was disappointing for me. So one of the things I've learned about skills with this life that I wanted to share is do what you can In your situation, and don't get bogged down in what you can't. Mm -hmm. So, I've got a list of things I want to work on, and it's so easy to get discouraged to run into that thing that doesn't fit your life. And you're just like, you want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, just stop the whole thing, like, fuck it, you know, fuck it. I don't want to feel like this, discouraged and like a loser. But I just got to move on down the list. Maybe right now, um, in this situation, what I need to work on is knitting and crochet. I can do that in a van, even on a rainy day, Um, and just wait for my opportunity to do more with roadkill. So I feel like that was an important lesson for me, and I wanted to pass that on in case you're on a similar path. You know, if I had a house, um, then might be the time to do roadkill. There'd be a whole different set of skills that would really lend itself to that. But just encourage people, push yourself and your skills, and remember that. If something's not working now, move on. Find the thing that lends itself to where you're at. Right now, not just where you're at physically, but also in your mind space,
1: did I already mention my garden? Speak on it uh yeah, it's not really um exactly what Gumby was saying, but you know, I don't have a plot of land. um we do have this little area that we can keep stuff in um that most likely won't get disturbed, but it's not ours, and uh God, there's a lot of um there were a lot of uphill battles I was fighting. Like for one, you know, Gumby didn't want to be around where there's a lot of ticks, a lot of nasty tall grass, which is the area that I'm talking about. And so I couldn't really make the garden the way I wanted it. Um, but I encountered some free seeds from the library. And I ended up buying some soil because I was just like, fuck it, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I ended up getting some um, empty like plastic pots from uh, the really, really free market. So what about a little less than a week ago? Now I opened up the bags of soil and it really only took like one bag. Um, and I did about somewhere between 48 and 60 pots, little, you know, plastic pots full of soil. And I put one seed in each of them. And, uh, like maybe, I don't know eight or ten different types of plants that grow in the fall in this area. And I watered them, and I left them. And hopefully they'll do something by time I get back. Hopefully they will not have wilted. It's been kind of wet, although it hasn't been the rain that we were promised. Um, but yeah, just kind of, I'm stubborn, so I want to do a garden. And I did what I thought I could to make that happen. And if it doesn't happen, I'm just going to have to let it go. But uh boy I sure do hope we can have some garden stuff going on. Mhm.
0: Yeah, I love uh, watching you garden because it looks so freaking organized. Like when you do stuff, it's like, wow, that's impressive. Can you open that door, Teresa? It's hot as balls in here. I don't mean like the nice like balls in the autumn where you're walking around in a loose pair of shorts. I'm like those like big sweaty hairy balls at the gym when they have the heat cranked up too high on a cold day to like overcompensate. And it's just like it smells like balls. Those kind of balls. You know what I'm talking about, Teresa?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm in the same van as you. Yeah. Yeah. Those balls.
0: (laughs) So is there anything else that you want to go over? That was pretty much the, uh, my list. Is there anything that was on your, uh, things you want to talk about for the week?
1: Um, we got to see one of our, uh, acquaintances, one of our friends that works for the city of Durham this morning. Ted. Oh, good. Ted. I was going to say, I won't mention his name, but, uh, (laughs) yeah. So, uh, yeah, Ted, we hadn't seen him since we've been back and we were kind of getting worried that he had, like, for whatever reason, stopped working for the city. And we'd never hear from him or see him again. But uh, we saw him this morning. And uh, I just happened to ask him if they were requiring. Uh, well, I guess I shouldn't get into that since we already named him. But anyway, the point is, uh, he's still working for the city and uh, fighting hard um, for what he believes in. And he said if uh, if anything goes wrong, he'll uh, he'll be hanging out with us in the van. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's what we need. More sweaty balls. Okay, so uh, we've got a listener write-in, and this is a really long listener write-in, which we like. Um, I really appreciate somebody taking the time to really, like, uh, hash out all their thoughts. And, man, all the punctuation was right and the spelling was right. And uh, that's what I try to do when I write, too. So I appreciate people who are, like, care about what they're uh, relating, conveying, sharing. Um so it's really a uh, a joy to receive this, even though he sent us a shit sandwich. No. Um, this is Mike
1: H. I thought you were doing a shit sandwich. Me? Yeah, you just started out like really nice.
0: No, no, I'm just winging it. This isn't. But oh. he he actually for I mean this is a textbook shit sandwich.
1: Okay. And uh, I like sandwiches.
0: I've got this divided into paragraphs because it's so long. Can we take turns reading this? Okay. So. Um, he starts off with the bread in case you don't know what a shit sandwich is it's a way of kind of giving criticism that's kind of like wrapped in bread so it's it comes it goes goes across a little bit easier um, so let's start with the bottom piece of bread he writes hey Gumby and Teresa hope you are doing well wherever you are and uh yeah I'd say we're doing pretty well what about you
1: I'm doing fine yes
0: yeah back in Durham uh, we're missing the mountains so there's that but uh, hopefully autumn will get here
1: Your podcast has been a favorite of mine since your very first episodes, which I found when, if I recall, Gumby posted on a Daniel Quinn Ishmael Facebook group I'm a member of. I immediately fell in love with your wise ramblings and the refreshing format you shared them in. One of my all-time favorite episodes of any podcast ever is your Escaping Society in Five Easy Steps, where you connect such ideas as anarchism and Wetico.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I've been waiting for somebody to say something good about that episode. I was pretty proud of that one myself.
1: I also think that that's an excellent episode. So, yes.
0: Yeah. And if you fell in love with our wise ramblings, you should see my Calipigian buttocks. That really knocks the ladies down. Right, Teresa? Uh (laughs) Mm-hmm. So, uh, that was the end of the bread. (laughs) Now, let's get into the ample shit. Um, Was there anything else you wanted to say about that part?
1: I um I am really impressed that you listen to our podcast.
0: Mhm. So yeah. thank
1: you. I yeah. have a hard time listening to our podcast sometimes. Yeah. Like every time I hear the in- intro song. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, literally Like, I like listening back to kind of, like, check in where What we talked about and where we are now And what's changed And it's kind of fun, like, when you read back through your old journals That's kind of what the podcasts are for me Like, hey, remember where we recorded that? Remember, like, when that shit was happening? We just, like, listened back through, like, when COVID started And it was kind of funny, like, our observations and stuff about that And
1: was really optimistic
0: But, uh, yeah, Teresa's, like, such a, uh, Debbie Downer Like, every time I start one, it's like, wait! Our names. She said, oh, are we listening to that again? Yeah. Well, you could take a walk. I'll try. <laughs> All right, next paragraph. As an early fan of yours, I've recently found myself increasingly disappointed in the direction of your show. There were times when I almost went into online troll mode and posted negative responses to your Facebook page about my distaste for some of the ideological directions you've gone in recently. But instead, I took a breath and took a step back and said, is this really a healthy and rational way to deal with ideas I disagree with? Do Gumby and Teresa owe me anything? Is it their responsibility to keep the same ideas as me forever and never change? What's your response, Teresa?
1: Um, Sometimes I feel disappointed with the directions that we're going in. Not necessarily that... um I don't want to go in those directions but yeah sometimes I feel I don't know like uh I'm getting into a lot of stuff that I don't fully understand that's always and um I'm glad also that that again like Gumby said that you wrote to us and were reflecting on how you felt I just I think that's really good
0: And you talked about there were times when I almost went into online troll mode. Mm -hmm. Um, You're welcome and anybody's welcome to comment on our uh, website and publicly, you know, on any posts that we share. I don't mind that at all. Um, I just say try to keep it, you know, like uh, civil. I mean, if somebody like just kind of rails on me and starts calling me names and everything, I kind of feel like I don't mind it. I feel like, all right, I've already won the argument, you know, like <laughs> this person like has nothing of, of substance to say. But if you have a legitimate criticism, which you go on and you do have legitimate criticisms, you've you know, you didn't just call us like assholes and idiots. You like had stated your case. I don't mind that at all. And I feel like people benefit from uh, having these open dialogues. So um, feel free, you know, anytime that you do want to do that. And, um, yeah, is this really a healthy and rational way to deal with ideas I disagree with? Man, I struggle with that a lot. I don't know. It's, I've heard somebody say that, like, social media is kind of like our modern version of the commons now, where we kind of get together and voice, like, our opinions and ideas. And uh, I don't like it, but maybe it's what we've got. Because
1: um, they've taken everything else away from us.
0: So I have a lot of criticism about, like, I don't know. I have the same question for myself. Is this really a healthy way to, like, make a Facebook post to put my ideas out there? I don't know. I'm still up in the air, and depending on my mood, I could go either way on that. But uh, it is something. It's something, which is better than nothing. I think, you know, if you've got, like, something to say and you just stay silent, well, even that, I'm not sure I'm going to say that that was wrong because sometimes shutting the fuck up is like what people need to do. Maybe we could be benefit from more people shutting the fuck up. But, um, yeah, you were going to say something, Teresa?
1: Um, I'll say something to that. Shutting the fuck up. Uh, yeah, sometimes I've seen posts or I've been privy to conversations, um, outside of social media. Just you know, hearing somebody say something and it's like I could. I could step into the ring there, but then I try to reflect um, upon that and, and a lot of times grow from it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I like that you asked, do we owe you anything? Um, I
1: hope
0: not. It's true. We don't owe anybody anything. You know, like what we're trying to do here is just kind of uh, express our views and opinions and they change. You know, we're like um, putting them out there for whatever benefit they may have for someone. And sometimes the benefit is that you disagree with them. Um, They help you hone your own argument. Why do you disagree with them? And I'm really happy with the way you responded, Mike H., um, because it sounds like you used it for that. You thought about them and you tried to think of like, this is why I disagree. I think this helps us grow, this kind of dialogue. Um, We don't owe anybody anything. We don't owe you our allegiance. We don't owe you any viewpoint that um, makes you feel better, reinforces your views, mm. we owe nothing.
1: That's what the mainstream media does.
0: Yeah. They're trying to win your votes, win your support, win your allegiance, win your pacification. We're not trying to win anything. We're just talking. And uh, we're talking as long as we are able to before this iron curtain falls on us. We're going to keep talking. <laughs> or Unless tell- we just get sick of hearing ourselves. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm there That's the other thing that could happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really uh, respect that you acknowledge that. Um and
1: I'm just saying, of course not?
0: Yeah. That was a short paragraph. <laughs> that was a short one.
1: That's what she said. Of course not.
0: It seems that Mike agrees. And then he goes on to say, as Gumby has often said, and I agree. See, I told you he agrees. People should be able to disagree in a healthy way and still enjoy the discourse and the journey of it all. But I still can't lie and say it doesn't sadden me to see a plot a platform that used to be a source of such fiery, radical anarchist ideas turned into what I can only call boring Fox News-level conservative bullshit. Sorry, that's just what it feels like. Well, don't apologize. I mean, we are quick to call things bullshit that we think are bullshit. Yeah. Um, what's your response to that?
1: Um, I've I've questioned a lot of the things that we listen to, much to Gumby's chagrin, um, because you know, if like listening back to our podcast from the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we were exclusively listening to NPR, National Public Radio, because that was the only thing that we could get. We didn't have internet service um, out in the country and we would crank the van and the one station that came in that would pretty consistently have news stories, it was NPR. And we started listening. Well, we started like, recognizing that what we were listening to was like really biased and slanted and like, yeah, there were a lot of examples that we saw that were, um, just like, we just shake our heads and say like, what the hell is this? And kind of our response to that was starting to download podcasts. Like we'd go to town twice a week. And when we were, when we were around wifi, um, you know, downloading some different podcasts, whether they, they were, um, what was that thing called? The green flame Mm -hmm. that we highly recommended back then. We don't even have that now.
0: Yeah. I heard a few too many poems talking about how awful men were and, uh, yeah, it just, um, it got too lefty for me.
1: Government secrets. Those, douchebag ass clowns they got to (laughs) me after a while
0: fuck wagons
1: yeah um lee camp and graham elwood so we don't we don't don't listen to them anymore so yeah like uh then what we what we are left with um were or are some provocative podcasts that often do talk about the same subjects and i mean gumby will you agree like i've really questioned what are we listening to
0: oh yeah, yeah. I'd I say we both, that's something we do well is question. Um, we always question what we listen to. And as our stances change, I feel like um, we do a pretty good job, I think, of avoiding being ideological, getting ourselves trapped into, okay, this is our box and we defend it just because it's our box. Yeah. I think we're pretty quick to uh, abandon a box, try out a new box, because I think that's what we should do. And are you, are you done with what you wanted to say there?
1: Um, I was just going to add, like, but that is kind of where we're getting our news from our these podcasts. Now that we listen to, we very rarely have an opportunity to um, to watch, you know, mainstream media or to just like, you know, I'll I'll look up stories or there'll be headlines in my Google spoon fed curated news stories. But I don't often like. I'll read the story and usually within the first couple sentences, I'm like, oh God, it's really just um, divisive and it's not good journalism. Basically, a lot of the articles that I start to read automatically put me on the defensive, like, no, just because I believe this or I am thinking uh, about this particular subject, that doesn't make me an ignorant, stupid, unscientific, or scientific person. I mean, don't put me in a box. I will fight. Don't put me in a box.
0: Amen. and uh, you know you say that you are sad, let's see let's see oh sad to see such a platform that used to be a source of such fiery, radical anarchist ideas. We were never trying to be a platform for uh, radical anarchist ideas. We were have always tried to be a platform for honesty of where we're at, what we're exploring, what we're thinking, um, what we think is important in that moment. So if you found radical anarchist ideas in that, I'm happy. You know, if that served you, you got any kind of benefit from it. But we, you know, if you're sad to see that platform go, we're not. We're just following our rabbits down whatever holes they lead. Sometimes they lead down this political hole, this religious hole, this wherever. Um, so our effort is not to be a radical anarchist podcast. Um,
1: we did do the, um, let's see, police state and, um, well, Unabomb, Unabomber. Um, What was the other one that we did? I don't
0: know. We've done plenty that could be put in that category, but it was, it was more just because that's where our interest was. It's Mm -hmm. not because we're trying to be a radical anarchist, like, um,
1: podcast. And, you know, uh, just to add to that, like, let's just take, for example, defund the police at first, that sounds really good. And we were like, here, here, get rid of those motherfuckers. They cause problems. On the other hand, who is, who is behind that? and what exactly is their end game like i don't trust these things anymore i at first yeah sure it sounds great it sounds like a you know uh, a very radical, fiery anarchist yeah.
0: plan. Yeah, we're not talking about defund the police as in anarchism. We're talking about defund the police and replace them with something more authoritative, yeah, and I socialist don't... and state-sponsored.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I am—I continue to be very ignorant and very naive, although I try to grow. Um, so yeah, it's—I can't—I can't be static because the more. I reflect on these things, the more I'm like, well, wait a second, that's not what I thought it was.
0: And you said that, uh, you know, it feels like we're getting boring. I'd say that your very the length of this letter kind of uh, contradicts that. Apparently, we stimulated you. Um, We have aroused you to write such a letter in response, and that's one of the things I hope to do. As I've said, and I used to have that in the opening of our podcast, we hope to offend, um, to stimulate, to arouse people, um, and it seems we've done that. With you, Mike H. So, uh, you know, I don't mind disagreement, but uh, apparently this one wasn't boring. If you want to see boring, go check out our presidential podcast. Oh my uh, God. U.S. presidents exposed, especially Carter through Obama. Now no, that's boring. Carter through boring.
1: Trump.
0: Carter through Trump. <laughs> Carter through Trump.
1: Yeah. yeah. That um, is so boring. I at first I thought it was funny, and now I just hate the sound of my own voice.
0: And I don't mind if I sound um, like Fox News to somebody. I I would say for myself that I am leaning more towards uh, the right, and it's because the left is going so fucking crazy. Um, And again, this is my perception. You can disagree, but more and more from what I honestly call reality, the left is not only describing reality that does not match at all what I see with my own two eyes and my own two ears, but they are pushing more and more in an authoritative, bullying, ugly way that I to demand that I conform to their reality. Right now, I'm not getting that from the right. Mm-hmm. It's not because I have an alliance with the right. If the right starts pulling that shit, I'll be equally against them. But it seems that everything I run into that's like, oh, well, maybe if you, uh, if you don't agree with like what kind of medical treatment should be done with your body, you uh, actually shouldn't have uh, employment or be able to cross state lines or have medical care. All that shit right now seems to be coming from the left. And so that's pitted me against it. So if I find myself having common enemies with someone, I don't let that bother me.
1: What about as an anarchist? Like uh, you said, like left and right. I don't
0: care. I don't care. I don't care what label that somebody wants to put on me. I don't even care if I put the label on myself. Mm -hmm. What I really think of myself as a free thinker. If you can, if the label doesn't fit anymore and you're like, oh, well, that's not anarchist. Okay, prove it to me and I'll abandon the title. I'll still keep my view because I got there through free thinking. Hmm and i don't care what it sounds like if you know if free thinking led me into nazism i don't care free thinking doesn't lead me into nazism but if i got there through my own critical thinking that's what's important to me am i wide the fuck awake and paying attention i don't care what that allies me with if they got to a similar place through indoctrination and everything and they're doing ugly things with it we are not allies I want to make sure that I get to where I go through thinking, through questioning, and through being honest and courageous with my views, even when I'm bullied by shit like cancel culture. And that's one of the blessings that Teresa and I have. What the fuck are they going to cancel? We don't have jobs. We don't have houses. We That gives us a certain amount of freedom to be able to speak our minds in ways that other people don't dare increasingly in this culture. And uh, when you're ready, you look like you might have had something else to say, but after that, if you want to read the next paragraph.
1: Um. Yeah. Before I read the next paragraph, I guess I was uh, thinking how interesting it is that. Um, see, I can I can see it from both ways, and a lot of times that confuses me because my brain is like pulling in two directions. But that in and of itself, like uh, having to label it left or right. If an idea appeals to you or you come to a conclusion, it doesn't have to be left or right. That's somebody else's... If somebody else is labeling it, that's on them. I think that's kind of what you were saying. Like, you're a free thinker. You don't... like. You're bucking labels as much as I am
0: Well, there's a little more I want to say to this But Mike H. actually gets into a little bit more of this thing That I think it might be better to respond to one of these paragraphs we're about to read
1: Okay All right, so Here we go Antifa are the real fascists? There's a gay trans conspiracy to rule the world? Honestly, this is just stuff my old Rush Limbaugh listening grandfather would say Is, it, is that the end? Just keep going These aren't radical egalitarian ideas.
0: Yeah. um, I do hate Antifa. I've heard so many stories now. We've only encountered Antifa personally once, and that was during the silent stand protest. And what I saw were a lot of privileged fucking college kids yelling at a couple of old mans who were standing there. Old mans. Some old manses that were standing there with a Confederate flag. I'm not saying like, this isn't about supporting or condemning the Confederate flag. This is about just basic respecting your elders, even if you disagree with them. They weren't doing anything ugly. They were holding a symbol that people were choosing to be offended by. You could choose to be equally offended by so many other symbols that have just as much, if not more, bloodshed and violence behind them, including the American flag, including your fucking college diploma. I was seeing people yell the ugliest things that embarrassed me. That was my first and only physical encounter with Antifa. Since then, I have heard so many things about them ganging up on uh, women who are trying to protect their space from transgender men walking out, walking into their private spaces with their dicks hanging out. Yes, I am against a bunch of fucking entitled little privileged college kids ganging up on a a mother. by herself that just wants to protect space that only women can go. I do believe there should be spaces that only women can go. I believe that strongly. And more and more, every time I run into a story about Antifa, I disagree with their stance and they're fucking assholes about it. They are bullies. They are violent. And the media is supporting them. The media does not come out against Antifa while it's coming out against people that just like are questioning the government. More and more we're hearing people get pushed into this category of domestic terrorism. This is our enemy while Antifa is let off the hook. You know, as soon as the government and the media line up with somebody, that alone makes me suspicious. What the fuck's going on? I've got so many reasons to be uh, pitted against Antifa. And I got more to say. Do you want to say anything about Intifa?
1: Sometimes there are movements that again at first glance they seem like they're going to be in the favor of someone who wants this civilization or this society, this culture to end. And it's really easy to like latch onto that movement or idea or whatever ideology and say like, here, here, you know, whatever they say, I agree with. But again, like just as I was saying about defunding the police, like what is behind this Antifa movement? I feel like in the situation that we were in with the silent Sam, um, monument protest, I would have liked to see, uh, all right, there's these two old guys with a Confederate flag. What if we all sat down and one by one, like had a question and answer? session, like let it allowing listening and allowing other people to speak and to listen to them. Like a, like the talking iPad episode that we just, you know, that we had, uh, that we were listening to. Gumby.
0: Yeah. You questioned, uh, Antifa are the real fascist. I don't know. Like I said, we're living in an age where words are getting really fucking hard to use. The meanings are getting changed. Dictionaries are getting changed all the time about what definitions mean. Intentionally so. Um, All kinds of terms are just like racism. That's getting changed. You know, it's now it's got to be a group with power to a group without power. And there's all kinds of weird little fucking Frankenstein words like reverse racism, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, Whiteness you know, anti-racism. which anti-racism and whiteness, like what we're fighting racism, but we're approving of a word like whiteness. Uh, there's just it's a gobbledygook of bullshit. And so I don't want to get bogged down in whether they're fascist or not, because I don't know what you mean by fascist. I
1: don't know what I mean by
0: fascist. Yeah. One of the things I like about Socrates, and this is before there were written dictionaries, at least as far as I know, I could be wrong about that. But Socrates first would agree on terms. He'd say, okay, what do we mean by fascist? Let's make sure that we're using the word the same way. I love that. I think that is really important. So unless we could like have a dialogue where I know that you're using the word fascist the way I use it, I would back off of that personally. Um, I just know that I think Antifa are a bunch of assholes. So I'm not gonna say right now I think they're fascist because I don't know what that means to you. And I think these words are losing a lot of meaning and power because they are getting obscured.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting that just in this episode, we were talking about words and labels and, um, like putting things in boxes to quickly like come to an understanding between two or more people. Um, so here's a situation where, you know, yes, we are relying on words because this is, a uh, a podcast. I can't like look at your face. I can't, you know, emote to you or, or sign to you how I feel about something. But even just using these labels is very confusing.
0: And you say there's a gay trans conspiracy to rule the world. We never said that. Yeah. Um, in our transhumanist um, series, we Our premise was that part of the strategy used by the transhumanists to divorce us from biological reality, from our humanity, one of the branches, we do believe, is the transgender transsexuality movement that is being widely promoted, has been mysteriously accepted by a culture that's supposedly institutionally racist, but somehow this uh, just night is day opposite thinking has been just suddenly widely embraced. Again, when the media and the government gets in line behind something, you should always ask, what the fuck is the hidden agenda? Why did they just get behind that? Black people had to fight tooth and nail and are still fighting tooth and nail for their rights. And yet transgender, a person that chooses to say, I was somehow born in the wrong body. Everybody, everybody across the media is like, okay, yep, accepted hero, they're stunning and brave. Something's going on there. Nobody, not not Teresa or I at least, have said that gay, trans are uh, launching some conspiracy to rule the world. No. Our whole point is there's a bigger umbrella. And uh, we actually, one of the things that got us kind of wanting to change the format is because of this transhuman series, we got so... uh, through lack of communication like sometimes one of us will be the scribe one of one of the other we had things left out of that for our argument that like we listened to it and like what the fuck where was that that was the whole linchpin in our argument <laughs> we ran across great articles where other people are making better cases than we did of like hey look at these commonalities between like here we have a whole group of people and and a increasingly increasing amount of girls, especially, that are calling themselves transgender. And what does that amount to? What actions does that lead to? Well, getting on big pharma medicine for the rest of their lives, being dependent on big pharma, on chemicals, and through those chemicals, the government. People that need, by definition, the technology of the government to live the lives they believe, they have been taught, they are entitled to, and would gladly welcome more quickly advancing invasive technology. Because if you want to go through this dangerous surgery, and it is indeed dangerous to try to mimic the gender that your biological reality is not, um, who would not want better technology to make that safer, to make that more real? Because as it is now, any doctor could check out somebody who's been through the surgery and say, all right, I'll go along with it. But uh, I can tell you weren't born that way. What if the technology gets so good they couldn't tell? You're going to tell me the transgender people wouldn't be the first people to line up to push more genetic engineering, more technology? I believe they're being played. This is not a hateful statement against transgender, transsexual people. I believe these are people that are being exploited, not that they are launching a conspiracy to rule the world. So that was not our premise. And as far as Rush Limbaugh, my dad used to listen to Rush Limbaugh, and I hated that fat fucker. Um, Not my dad. He wasn't fat. Rush Limbaugh. Um, limba, limba. And I don't know your grandfather. He might be a wise man. You should have listened to more. Or he might've been a total fucking asshole. So I can't really speak to that.
1: Um, mm. uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think that it's really good that you wrote in because it gives us an opportunity to clarify. And, um, I think that our society has done a pretty good job of accepting gay, lesbian, um, bisexual and I think we've even done a pretty good job of accepting other categories whether that's transgender, transsexual, queer, this or that. Um my because it takes time um for one we are, we are human creatures um that you know, we need time to process things. And when we're not given time to process things, I think that's when we're taken advantage of. I think agendas are pushed. And I think that, um, you know, putting everything in a box or in a, um, like an ideology is, uh, is, is done because you can, because people don't have time to think about stuff. Were you going to say something or are you going to keep going?
0: Well, your last sentence and what we just – what Teresa just read is these aren't radical egalitarian ideas. And I would go back to pointing out we're not trying to be radical or egalitarian. Um, We are just trying to be ourselves. So – You know, it's kind of the eye of the beholder. If you find they're not radical egalitarian ideas, you might be right. I'm not going to argue that. Um, But just keep in mind, we're not trying to be radical, egalitarian, anarchist or whatever. We're trying to share our thoughts and experiences and opinions. And uh, we're also open to changing them and debating them, so.
1: Yeah. um, And the other thing I was going to say is about uh, transgender. Um, I was wondering about like why anarchists are so much, um, in favor of the transgender movement?
0: I think Ted Kaczynski warned against this. He said, beware of the leftist who will co-opt your movement. Mm -hmm. I think anarchism has been largely co-opted by leftist Mm. ideology. Mm. And, um, I don't think many anarchists are actually as radical as they think they are anymore. I think they've been co-opted and, uh, They're kind of, they've made a box out of something that should have been free of any boxes.
1: Mm. Um, Let's just give the benefit of the doubt to the anarchists that they are um, speaking out because they feel like people should have the right. Um, They should not be oppressed. They should not be, uh, you know. I don't know, made to do anything. Like I'm thinking about anarchists, anarchism, um, you're self-ruling. And that includes like, you know, my body, my choice. I can do whatever I want with my body. So if somebody wants to go and have surgeries or have, you know, hormonal therapies for the rest of their life, that's their choice. What I don't understand is how anarchists don't look at... The implications of how other people must, they are, it is demanded of them to see the person as something that, that someone else might, they might not see it. Like if someone's born uh, a natal male, I have to say now, (laughs) that, uh, God damn it, you just moved my head and the thought came out.
0: <laughs> well, you're totally missing the microphone. Okay. We only got
1: one. All right. Well, deaf man. Um, if someone's born male and they want to be female, um, I have to then say, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I thought you were a male, but you're saying that you're a female. So I have to like change what I believe and what I think. For this person, even though what I'm looking at, like I'm seeing that this is a male. I, I don't understand like how anarchists fall on that. So maybe somebody could help me um to understand that. And the other thing is, you know, let's just say that um for reasons yet unknown, as the International Olympic Committee has written, um What do you mean? We don't understand. The- What's that reference? The reference is that the Olympic Committee is allowing men to compete in women's sports at the Olympic level. But my point was, through reasons yet unknown, we don't understand what is like why someone's born in the wrong body. All right, let's just say they're born in the wrong body. Um, but then this person feels compelled to be in a like categorized in a gender, that is being pushed on them. Like, I don't understand why they're playing into that. Okay, Gumby, what did you want to say?
0: Are you done? Yeah,
1: I'm done. I'm done rambling.
0: All right, he goes on to say, I actually agree to an extent about certain aspects of the transgender issue, at least as it presents itself in our fall of Rome, decadent time of civilizational madness. So much of trans culture these days is tied up and woven into very toxic ideas of what a woman is supposed to look like and be, which is itself such a perverse twisting of femininity. And uh, yeah, I don't have a lot to say to that. It seems we agree on that. We talked about that with, uh, you know, how a lot of transgender uh, men that uh, are trying to portray themselves as women will actually dress up as very trashy, trampy women. It's a, vac- it's actually a very uh, degrading and insulting. Um, Commentary on what they think a woman is. Mm -hmm. Right here.
1: But being trans is not new, nor is it some transhumanist plot that has just recently been introduced to subvert natural human biology. Humans are complex and always have been. The earliest human cultures we know about have deeply rooted traditions of two-spirit or third-sex individuals. This is not against humanity. It is part of who we are. Um, Yeah, sure. Why are there all of a sudden an explosion? Thousands upon thousands of children. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt that they are two-spirited or third-sexed people. Why is this happening? What does this mean? And within those indigenous traditional cultures, were they taking cross-sex hormones? Were they getting vaginoplasties or phalloplasties? I'm going to guess no. Um, I don't have a single problem with somebody saying that, you know, they were born in the wrong body, whatever, whatever comes with that. Uh, I think what's happening though, is that the human experience of it is being completely changed by science and it's being completely influenced by those who are pushing a transhumanist agenda. I, I, I think that, I think there is a link. Um, I agree that it has been with us and it is part of humanity, but I just don't understand why it is exploded. Um, Are other species at all on earth transgendered? Gender is a Mm -hmm. concept.
0: There is an argument for that. I think it's a weak one, but yeah, people do make the argument that you find that in other species.
1: Is it sex or gender?
0: Well, that's kept intentionally obscure and confusing.
1: There are species who spontaneously can change the sex Um, Depending on various uh, environmental um, factors, whether it's stress of the population, overpopulation of males or females, and even temperature. So is that what we're seeing in the human species? Is it that our climate is growing hot and we're all of a sudden switching genders? Or, excuse me, sexes? It is sex in other species. It is gender in only the human species. And I would like to know if anyone else um, has information on various genders in different species, please write to us and let me know.
0: Yeah, I would argue that trans is new, uh, at least the way that our culture defines it. Um, And I guess I don't want to be repetitive of what Teresa said about the link between transhumanism and that. And I think it is being used to subvert human biology because of the obscurity between gender and sex. And the new thing is the entitlement, the surgical intervention that makes people dependent on the state and its technology and its drugs. The um, mental illness, I feel like that accompanies that, which is why the suicide rate is so aligned with uh, transgender people. the fragility, the like, you don't use the right pronouns, and somebody's going to go kill themselves, and we're going to act like that's a healthy response. This is not something we see a record of in other cultures. Now, granted, other cultures, um, from what I've I've seen, do accept intersex people. There are like, it's more fluid. They're more accepting, but it's a rarity. That's why it's accepted as such a special thing. Like, wow, if somebody's going to be born this different. They must have something very unique to offer, and we actually talked about this in our uh, transhumanist podcast, um, one of our episodes. This is not what we're seeing. We're seeing something that looks more like a fad, a fad that is being exploited to make money for a bunch of fucking assholes who don't give a shit who you think you're born as. What they want are customers. This is a just diabolical sales pitch to exacerbate what may be, um, well, definitely is in some cases real issues, but it's getting exacerbated. People like to fit in. There's been studies that we talked about, especially among teenage girls, where whole groups of girls will decide they're tra- they'll, they are transgender. Something's weird about that. Again, the leftists will want to co-opt my view and say, no, no, what you see with your own two eyes, that's not reality. Um, and if you don't agree with it, well, you're actually an evil person and we hope you get fired. We're going to try to get you fired. This is actually happening. This cancel culture, it's not just a phobia, it's happening. Um, and that does not look like the reality that I see. Um, when you talk about those earliest cultures, I agree. That's one of the one of the many uh, bad parts of our society is... We don't treat people who are different as special. We treat them as problems. Uh,
1: How do we fix that?
0: Yeah. And again, like, um, you know, Josh Slocum, we mentioned him and other gay people point out that this is actually often used against gay people. There are people that are growing up that if they were left the fuck alone and not told they were a woman born in the wrong body, they would keep their balls. They would not be castrated. They would be gay men. But instead, they're being indoctrinated with this new marketing scheme to tell them, oh, well, then you're in this box, and now we're going to do this horribly invasive surgery on you again. This is not against these people. It is let's protect these people, let's help these people, and let's help all of our children. A lot of things that are just growing pains, tomboys, people going through shit, figuring out who they are, are getting channeled into surgery rooms, uh, uh, fucking big pharma offices. This is ugly and people are getting so indoctrinated and brainwashed they think they're defending an oppressed group of people when they're actually getting played to go along with the severe and ugly exploitation of these people. So that that's my 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 view and my premise on that. Um and I agree like the third sex, the actual intersex people, the actual people who buy themselves Um, Not through social media and peer pressure and marketing campaigns and the whole fucking media saying stunning and brave, stunning and brave, stunning and brave. They are part of who we are. They are part of the human experience. And that should be accepted in a healthy community. I agree with you there. Um, You go on to say, I once heard John Zerzan, the preeminent anarcho-primitivist writer, say it this way. Think of birds. Through studying them, we know so much about how infinitely complex they are in their spectrum of sexuality. They are not just straight or gay. They are an unimaginably rich tapestry of dancing sexual energy that challenges every modern civilized human convention.
1: Okay. I don't know that much about bird sex. <laughs> I, I do know that the word sex is different from the words gender and gender identity
0: yeah i agree with a lot of what john Zirson, john zerson has written um i especially like what he says about like technology and uh numbers and time um but as far as the birds go you know i would have to agree with theresa i don't know much about their their sexuality. Um, But not just straight or gay. I would say that there's room, just as there is in humanity, for all kinds of behavior. And only the ones that at least act straight long enough to have uh, binary sexual reproduction pass on their genes to have children. And as far as the other ones that consistently don't act like they're attracted to members of the opposite sex, they don't pass on their genes. Does that mean there's something wrong with them? Does that mean they don't have a purpose? I wouldn't say so. I don't know what it means. Uh, There's a lot in this universe that I don't know what the hell it means, and I don't think I ever will. Um,
1: So, yeah, so you disagree with John Zerzan on that point.
0: Yeah, if that's what John Zerzan says, and I already thought I disagreed with John Zerzan on this point. um, Yeah, and I don't believe it does challenge every modern civilized human convention. Um, I believe there is a lot that challenges every civilized modern human convention, but particularly I'm not that challenged by the birds, um i could dismiss those pretty easy like birds are birds and humans are humans and we you know we don't know
1: what's going on in birds lives
0: yeah i mean just uh, depending the what what birds do don't maybe really maybe they do
1: have gender identities maybe i should take that back maybe they do have gender identities
0: yeah if i see birds with rich tapestries of sexual uh I don't know, diversity or whatever in a certain way, it doesn't make me want to like go shit on statues or anything, you know, like, well, that's bird world. Let's look at human world. There might be overlaps, but there's a lot of differences too. Celebrate diversity, right?
1: Now ask yourself, are humans less or more complex than birds?
0: I don't know. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I see a certain kind of species hierarchy there. I really don't know what's more complex, um, a lot of the complexity that we own up to as humans, I believe, is uh, social, cultural, and does not service. So, as far as what we biologically really are, I don't know. I can't answer that. And he says the answer should be obvious, but apparently yes. not for us. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure that we're more complex, at least in any way that like we should be, or we should actually like try to try to be. Um, as for myself, I've always been attracted more towards simplicity. Um, And is it your turn or my turn?
1: It is my turn. In short, I think you are making the same mistake Derek Jensen often does, which is hyper-focusing so much on people's sexuality instead of how it presents itself in civilization and culture. Trans, non-binary people would still exist in a post-civilization anarchic communal world. They just wouldn't all be trying to look like Vogue cover models and conforming to a sick culture. Is that it? Mm -hmm. Just like straight women and men do.
0: Yeah, it's funny you bring up Derek Jensen because just like John Zerzen, there's a lot he—I agree with, but I don't agree with him on that point. It's almost the opposite for Derek Jensen for me. Um, There's a lot he says that I disagree with um, when it comes to, like, you know, threatening to fight civilization but, like, never has a plan of how to do it and— uh, I don't see much progress being made in people that do follow his like um, plan of how to do it. You know, he's got a lot of big talk, but I agree with him about his, uh, his views on the trans movement, that they are um, infringing on women's rights, harming women, um, you know, and I'd, we shared some information on that, but I'd invite you to look deeper into women being sexually assaulted in prisons, into men demanding right uh, entrance into women's rape centers, um, into what's happening to children. There's a lot of shit that is not healthy and helpful for a lot of people that's happening in this trans movement, um, women's sports. Um, so yeah, you say trans bi- non-binary people would still exist in a post-civilizational anarchic communal world. I agree. Sure. Yeah, but they would. We'd move more towards um, what we're talking about in the old world, where these people that uh, you know walk a different path might be celebrated for it being special. But it would not become a fad. It would not become something to be exploited. It would not be something that people would want to um, mutilate their bodies to mimic something they're not. It would be more. And here's the big difference for me. Instead of hating yourself and desperately wanting to do dangerous things and get on dangerous drugs to mimic something you're not, there would be more room to celebrate what you are. I don't think people get born in the wrong bodies. You talk about two-spirits, people that are two-spirited. That's someone who says, I wasn't born in the wrong body. I was born with like a dichotomy of spirits or two-spirits. I'm celebrating who I am. I walk a sacred path. You don't see people that, like, put their people on a a stone table and cut off their junk and, like, try to sew on fake tits to mimic something they're not. At least I've seen no record of that. That is a big, crucial difference. Celebrate unique people, not exploit unique people. people. Yeah.
1: And also, I mean... Like you were saying, hyper focused. Um, I do tend to see Derek Jensen um, having a lot of people that he interviews about the trans um, transgender movement. Um I think Derek Jensen has a lot of stuff from his past that maybe uh, he he does focus on sexuality, some, but he's also been uh, cancelled by his publisher. so by the trans activists.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's the people that are questioning this that are focusing on sexuality. We just read a list of sexual preferences. That was not written by a what's called a cis person, as if that was just another sexual category and not one of the crucial binary categories that has led to every single living person on the earth until they bring in this fucking Gattaca-style cloning. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like I feel like you're flip-flopping. I feel like it's the uh, the focus on sexuality is not coming from the, I don't know, straight community, whatever. The focus on sexuality is actually coming from the other side. Mm-hmm. A manic, psychotic focus on sexuality, a defining myself yeah. by that. Um, again, I, I know we keep bringing up Josh Slocum, but he's like said so many things that got me thinking. And he says, I'm a gay man. And I don't mind saying I'm a gay man. I'm glad I'm a gay man. But I don't define myself by that. My character is not just I'm gay. My character is I'm interested in this. I'm interested in that. I have this view. I have this personality.
1: I'm good at this. I might not be as good at that.
0: My sexuality is just one thing. I don't define myself by it. It's just one of the factors that add up to who I am. I feel like that is the hallmark of a healthy human being. And I feel like that, again, is being exploited and warped by people who are trying to exploit it and warp it into hypersexuality. Define yourself by your sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, Mike H. says, Either way, this is just one thing I found disagreeable and, for lack of a better term, non-anarchist about your podcast lately. There are others, but the trans issue seems to have taken over your minds obsessively. I was so excited to listen to a multi-part series on the dystopian dangers of transhumanism. As I see, this is such a vital topic. It's sad that literally hours of the series were taken up by stuff like, did you hear about the transgender MMA fighter? That really doesn't get to the root of what's happening and honestly doesn't challenge any power structures. Any thoughts?
1: Um... I can see where he's coming from when you have what uh, uh, someone that likes to disagree with you online calls outliers. Like, sure, not every single um, trans-identifying athlete um, maims or or hurts someone. I'm not sure of the percentages. I'm not even sure that I care um, because I'm I am I don't think I'm obsessed with that. But I think to make a point, like sometimes you, if you're making a point about something, you do have to cherry pick uh, certain details to uphold your thesis. So I'm not sure if that's more of a, um, I don't know, maybe our argument wasn't strong enough on that. I don't know.
0: And you say you found other things disagreeable about the podcast lately. Uh, feel free to share. I'd love to discuss those as well. I'm curious of what they might be. I've kind of got some guesses, but I don't want to assume. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with Theresa. I don't think we've become obsessed with that. I feel like it was irrelevant. Like, I always knew when I started the Transhumanist series that um, that was a link I was making. Yeah. Um, so it was relevant. And um, if it is seeping in in other places, like, for instance, this episode, um, I feel like it is kind of a topic in the news and um, – that we're running into lately. It's a big topic and it's an important one. Um, you know, there's a lot happening in our culture that reminds me of 1984, Winston Smith being uh, interrogated by O'Brien, where O'Brien holds up his five fingers and says, how many fingers am I holding up? And uh, there's no answer that won't get Winston Smith tortured. I feel like the transgender uh, movement is the best example of that happening in our culture, but not the only one. There's so many other examples, like, you know, as we talked about, uh, the terms racism, critical race theory created by a Harvard professor. There's just so many things that are upside down. And if you can get people to call day, night, and to say that water isn't wet, um, you've pretty much got them completely under control. When you can convince people to abandon their most basic senses and observations. And my most basic senses and observations can distinguish clearly a man from a woman. That does not box them into any behavior. I have my own judgments, as anybody does, about like, oh, that's that's weird or that's normal. But, uh, you know, that's fine. I mean, that's discrimination is not something we should be doing away with. Forcing our discrimination upon others, that's where it turns into a problem.
1: And is that what the transgender movement, like... That's kind of, I think, what the big issue is that I'm curious about when it comes to an anarchist perspective is how can it be one way? Like, you know, if I disagree with um, calling a man a woman, but how is it not against my rights? Like, if I see someone is a man, like, why do I have to agree that they're a woman? Like, that just seems like it's... It's violent on to me.
0: Yeah, I was never, and to my knowledge, I don't know of any um, oppression that was done to this group that's calling themselves transgender, where they didn't have equal rights to get a job if they conform to what the job requires, just as I had to do. I can't go in there barefoot. I got to put on shoes. I got to, you know, conform to what the job requires me to do. Um, they weren't. Kept out of bathrooms, otherwise they would have all exploded in a big explosion of piss and shit. They wanted extra rights. Um, they wanted people to conform with their reality. Um, so yeah, this is—it's a whole different thing. And as far as bringing up the transgender MMA fighter, I don't think these are just outlier situations. Um, these people shouldn't be in positions where they can hurt people who are biologically, physically, generally weaker than they are. It's a biological reality. You know, I'm I'm, I'm surrounded by people that say things like, follow the science. Oh, you think you know better than people with letters after their name, scientist. Well, there is a whole science behind this. And it's a very, one of the more pragmatic, practical, observation-based sciences, biology. Mm -hmm. Um, I can look around. I can just sit here right here in this park and, uh, you know, take a piece of paper and wait for 10 people to walk by. And notice how many of the people that seem to be men were bigger. How many of the people that seem to be women were smaller. It makes fucking sense that the person that's a man, even if he gets his balls cut off and starts talking in a higher voice, if he's playing in a very high contact sport with a woman, the woman's in greater jeopardy. That's just my common sense. Sorry, O'Brien. You're holding up five fingers. Torch me all you want. You're still holding up five fingers. Night is dark and day is light. Um, Libertarians.
1: Libertarians and anarcho-capitalists are not anarchists. These ideologies exist simply to excuse and defend all hierarchical structures. As Malcolm X said they'll have you believing the oppressed are the oppressors. Um yeah, anarcho-capitalists, I don't know, I don't know what's going on there. I don't buy that that is um anarchist in any way. Libertarians seem like uh they like both groups have interesting thoughts, but neither of them are really um hitting home with me as far as like feeling like the truth or like, Oh yeah, this is, this is the way things should be. I just, I don't know. I see weaknesses with pretty much everything.
0: Well, I disagree. Um, To say libertarians and anarcho-capitalists are not anarchists. Again, we're getting into this these definitions of words. Like Mm -hmm. who gets to define them? You know, I've been in so many debates where as soon as like I think I'm talking about one thing, somebody's like, oh well, actually, uh, that's actually a legal theory. It it can't be taught in schools, you know, unless you're going to legal school. (laughs) That's absurd. Um, These flip-flopping definitions. But if I were to sit down with you and Socrates style before we had this discussion, let's hash out what we mean by these words. I'd say an anarchist is someone who does not believe in imposing a state or any kind of organization imposing their values and laws on someone else through threat of violence. That's basically it. And as far as I know, libertarian and anarcho capitalists do embrace that. So I would say that is a type of anarchism. I have a lot of critiques. I'm not a libertarian or an anarcho-capitalist. I still think of myself more as an anarcho-primitivist. But as far as the essence of what anarchism is, I would argue they are anarchist. And I would also say people are so quick to dismiss groups that they don't. Uh, <sighs> oh, the vid. Groups that uh, they separate themselves from but i'd also say we've got a lot to learn from these groups they are pushing movements like in texas and new hampshire to actually secede from the the government um they're doing a lot of impressive things that i think we can learn from and that's just me you don't have to learn from them but i'd say a wise man is someone who finds more teachers not less
1: what about the transgender people what about them i mean would you say that they're a group of people that you could learn from
0: Sure. I mean, if you know, I'm not saying I'm always a wise man, but I'd say that um, I would strive to learn from anyone I could. Um, like I said, you know, the Bible has become something that I used to just despise because of what I thought it was, and I'm learning all kinds of things from it. So, yeah, I mean, I am learning thing, things from transgender people. And again, I'm not always a wise man, so sometimes I'm just uh, shut down to certain groups of people. Um, And I don't believe these ideologies simply excuse and defend all all hierarchical structures. Um, I don't see anarcho-primitivists doing much other than a lot of talking and writing books. Um, (laughs) I do applaud the libertarians and anarcho-capitalists for actually doing things more. And I feel like more and more the leftists are co-opting a lot of groups, and I would include anarcho-primitivists in that. More and more I see anarcho-primitivists saying, oh, no, no, liberals, Democrats, but then you listen to their ideology and it's like, man, if you hadn't told me you hated liberals, I'd I'd probably think you were in that camp with your beliefs. So I feel like more and more of whatever resistance is left is coming from these camps, even though I definitely don't agree with the technologists that I find in the libertarian camp. I think we need to be uh, veering away from that and the capitalist in the anarcho-capitalist camp. I think there's still so much room, even though it's anarchist, for exploitation. I think capitalism is based on hierarchy and exploitation. Um, I don't think that gets removed by just removing the government. I think we need to change our whole culture, which is why I'm an anarcho-primitivist. Until we live as tribes again, I don't think this can work. Until there's no incentive to accumulate more than your neighbor which the only way I can picture that is in the tribe. So that's why I'm not an anarcho-capitalist. But still, I don't dismiss everything. I see a lot of good resistance, a lot of good questioning and rebellion, more in that camp lately than I'm finding in anything um, in the other camps that seem to be just kind of folding under and going more and more with the main narrative, which I think is bullshit.
1: Yeah, remember when we were listening to the Green Flame podcast, a lot of what I think they would call themselves anarcho-primitivists and all of a sudden they're like, Better get vaccinated, better like, you know, do all this stuff that the government's telling you, better, um, you know, get your shot from big pharma. Like, what happened?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you brought you shared that Malcolm X quote, which I also love. They'll have you believing the oppressed or the oppressors. Um, yeah, that's a cautionary warning. You gotta watch that. And uh I use that same quote, but I use it very differently. Um you know, I would say the same thing about, like, the domestic terrorist. We're getting told all these poor rednecks that just have Confederate flags on their trucks are the uh, oppressors. Shit, they're the fucking people that are on food stamps, that are struggling to get by, that are just, you know, like, more and more getting called domestic terrorists. That the FBI is, like, more and more pushing agendas to, like, inform on people who have views that they have. So... I would use that same quote in a diametrically opposite way, but for all of us, yeah, it's something to watch. Make sure that they're not flip-flopping on us because that is the tactic being used. Flip-flop everything. Keep it upside down. Keep you confused.
1: What about... What about transgender? What about them? Um, they'll have you believing the oppressed are the oppressors.
0: Yeah, obviously that's what Mike H. meant.
1: Yes, well, that yeah, I was just wanting to um clearly like i guess respond to that. We'll do it. All about. It. All right. Um so saying like first of all we have to both agree that what you're meaning by the oppressed is are the transgender people.
0: Yeah, and that's where i disagree.
1: Mhm.
0: I don't think they are being oppressed. I think what they're after is extra rights. Mm-hmm. Uh They're after entry into places that they shouldn't be allowed into, an extra right. A person born as a man is now demanding that just because I say I'm a woman, I can actually compete against women, in which I will do much better in that competition than I would against other men. I think these are extra rights, so I don't think they are oppressed. Mm -hmm. I think that's the difference between the gays, who I think could make a better case that they were once oppressed, and the transgender who are after extra rights, which I feel like is uh, entitlement, Mm. ego, colonization. Anything else? That's it. So that was the end of the shit. There was a giant piece of shit in that shit sandwich. So Teresa...
1: I think I read
0: that. Oh, okay. So here's the bread at the top. And by the way, this was a beautiful shit sandwich. (laughs) Anyway, I hope this letter was not too rambling. But if it was, I learned it from you, Mom and Dad. Hell yeah. I still listen to every episode religiously, so take that for what it's worth. The disagreements can be robust and healthy. And I agree. Um, I really, uh, (laughs) we should have organized a little bit better how to respond to this. I think this took up half our episode. Uh, so Mike H, you can, uh, call this the Mike H episode. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what we'll end up calling it as a subtitle, but, uh, yeah, you gave us a lot to discuss, to disagree with, and a lot of platforms to further clarify. And mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Um, rambling. No, I wouldn't say the letter was any more rambling than our answers were. So fair enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, yeah, we try not to ramble, but we have to ramble a little bit or okay. we wouldn't have podcasts. I ramble. Yeah. Um, yeah. And thank you for listening to every episode religiously. So um, this is going to come out in a couple days. So, um, yeah, feel free to respond to anything or further clarification or further disagreements. And uh, robust and healthy, that's what I'm talking about. And uh, he signs off, your friend. So thank you for writing in, Mike H. Yeah. And, uh,
1: that was great.
0: Yeah. Uh, we that encourage. Felt,
1: that felt, what did he say, healthy and robust or something like robust that? Robust and healthy. Robust and healthy. That was. That was.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't like it when somebody's just like, oh, you're stupid. You're a fascist, blah, blah, blah. I feel like that is the kind of shit Mm -hmm. that I deal with in cancel culture from the other side. Is that kind of like, oh, actually, like, you wouldn't understand anyway, so I won't argue with you. I'm just smarter than you. You probably didn't even finish college. (laughs) So thank you for not writing that kind of stupid fucking shit. You actually had well thought out, well articulated, correctly spelled and punctuated fucking thoughts. And I uh, I really appreciate that and respect that. So anything else before we uh, close out?
1: No, I, I, I really like that too. I wish more people would write in because um, I think that would also open up the dialogue for so many other listeners, like, yeah, you said something that I didn't agree with, and I want to, you know, talk it out through, you know, the listener write-ins.
0: Yeah, it's like my friend that I mentioned earlier in this episode, the social justice warrior, like, um, something I try to impress upon her is, I have so much respect for you. I really am impressed by you, but your ideas, sometimes, I feel like, it's not just that I disagree with them. I feel like they need to be countered. I feel like sometimes they're dangerous and hurtful, but I never forget, I distinguish them. So like I can attack an idea, but for me, I'm not attacking the person. And so that's the way I take it when someone launches an attack on my ideas. I don't feel personally attacked. So yeah, I think there's a big distinguishing uh, discernment there. So, um, you feel free to visit our website. We have a website www.escapingsociety.weebly. B as in, you got a B?
1: Mm-mm. Bisexual. I think I already said
0: that. One. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't have any. All right. Bi... B is in bisexual.com. <laughs> Um, We have a Facebook page found at Escaping Society. We have a YouTube channel that we haven't added to anything to in a long time, but it's got some of the skills that we've worked on and plants and stuff that we've learned. Hopefully that can help you out. Um, Please give us a review. Write us a review. Um, Five stars helps get our message, our words out there further um, for whatever that's worth. And is there something? I feel like there's something else. We, say the donate oh, we have a donate button. So if you are, uh, w- able to, and so moved, um, we really appreciate donations. We have had, um, many listeners since we've gotten the donate button on there to give us generous donations and, uh, we appreciate them all. It helps get us further down the road. And, uh, I know we're always saying we're like reaching the bottom of our funds and kind of weird we are always almost reaching the bottom of our funds in that bucket but i think it's about to get empty
1: yeah
0: <laughs> so we'll see what happens next it's yeah. an adventure um anything else
1: when you see those two homeless hobos on the street corner asking for money for coffee that yes
0: yeah keep us off your street corner <laughs> send us a donation so as-
1: thank you for listening
0: see you later
1: Thank you.